Hello and welcome again to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. This is not some harsh God in the Old Covenant who then got good and nice in the New Covenant. This is the same loving God. How do you define love? Perhaps it depends on your experience of love as to how you define it. For absolutely pure love, there is none other than God himself. Yet despite the fact that God loved the nation of Israel absolutely and completely, and not because they were anything special either, they still set him aside. They were so loved by God and yet they despised that love. Go figure. Dr. Corbett is in the Old Testament book of Ezekiel, chapter 16 tonight, to look at the love of God despised. This is the fourth in the Ezekiel series that's a subset of Jeremiah. This is the love of God despised. And I'm going to ask you to think about the love of God because maybe you haven't thought about it quite like the way we're going to present it. So think about some of the issues involved here when we consider the love of God. When I read Ezekiel 16, I go, Father, <laughs> this is not this is unusual. You don't normally talk to people this way. You don't normally bear your heart and reveal so much pain in your heart. This is not the normal way you talk. Now, so when we consider the love of God, I want you to consider this, what I call a truth. The most profound truth about God is that he is love. Now, again, I'm, I'm going to ask you to think through this through because we live in a generation where that word love means fill in the blanks. What does it mean? Because I heard someone say, um, uh, uh, well, I've got to be careful here because uh, let me just cut to the chase. For many young men, love is confused with lust. For many young women, love is confused with acceptance. For many people, love is confused with popularity. And can I tell you that there will be times when you will love and you will not be accepted because you're loving. And if you're a parent, you'll begin to see where I'm going with this. There'll be times when you love someone and that will not make you popular with them. This is utterly bizarre, but I'm going to give you my checkmate in a minute. No, let's just cut to the checkmate, shall we? Jesus Christ was love in the flesh. And look at how he was treated. So the next time, parents, you say to your child these horrible words, no, you can't have it. Oh, thank you for loving them. Now, I'm not saying you say that about every... Can I eat this week? No, <laughs> that's not... <laughs> Please don't, don't take me out of context. But if you are forever thinking, oh, if I say no to, to my poor darlings, they won't like me and that wouldn't be loving. You have a very, very distorted view of what love is. But at the same time, husbands, listen to this, please. You might want to get a pen out and take a note. When your wife comes out of the walk-in robe and stands in front of you and goes, so what do you think? Please. Speak the truth in love, but remember, speak the truth in love, which means wisdom, which means, oh, you could make anything look good. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure that will come back in fashion any day now. I mean, I'm... You, it'll, you'll stand out. No one else will be wearing a yellow jacket and purple 
high heel leather boots. You'll stand. Anyway, so speak the truth in love means that there are times when you don't say certain things because you want to love. And then, of course, there will be times you'll say things that won't gain you acceptance. It won't manipulate people. For, for many young men, lust is confused for love. And they think that the way to a girl's heart is to manipulate her so he can have his way with her. Man, we live in a crazy mixed up world that really doesn't understand what love is. So I'm, I hope I'm beginning to get you to think about what, what is love. What is, what, what is love? And I, I'm going to say this. One of the most profoundly misunderstood things about God's love is the fact that he is love. You see, I've cried out to God for things and God hasn't granted them sometimes. Is that God not loving me? I've discovered from the benefit of hindsight for those people that clock up a few decades you look back and you go thank god he didn't answer that prayer thank god and we we sometimes confuse this idea if if god gives me what he what i want <laughs> he must love me and parents don't don't parent that way here's the question how does god express love toward people how does God express his love toward people? I, I want to give you a very simple statement. I heard Winky Prattney say this when I was uh, 16 years of age. And five years later, I still remember it. And, it's, and this is what he said. <laughs> love is desiring the highest good for another. That's it. The highest good for another. And here's the question I've got. Who knows your highest good? God. He's the only one qualified to know your highest good. How does God express his love toward people? By ensuring their highest good. I want, I want you to begin to think maybe a little bit more deeply about this. Because when we read the opening chapters of the, the Bible, we read about God creating man. We read about God then selecting a man in Genesis chapter 11. His name was Abram. And then he, he forms a, a covenant with him, changes his name to Abraham, Abraham. And God chose Abraham and then he chose the nation of Israel to demonstrate his love toward them he wanted to show the world this is what it looks like when i love people when i love people it looks like this and the idea was that israel was to relish in that love they were to bask in that love they were to be besotted with love for god and all of the nations of the world were meant to be drawn to this god who is so loving that was the plan God didn't choose Israel. And he says this. He didn't choose Israel because they were more righteous, more holy, more godly. In fact, in Ezekiel 16, God, it's, it's kind of like Israel at this point in Ezekiel is shaking their fist at God and go, I never loved you anyway. You never, you were never fair to me. You never gave me what you want. You call yourself a lover. You're not half a lover that these other lovers I've got are. And you, you, I've heard marriages end like that. 
And here's Israel doing that to God. And God just says, okay, I've had enough. I've had enough of this. Let me just tell you the facts. And God goes through this chapter here in Ezekiel. And we'll see in a moment. He says some pretty sordid, horrible things about the condition upon which Israel were in when he chose them. So God did not choose Israel because they were worthier than others. In fact, Scripture says this in Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 6. Know therefore that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stubborn people. Hmm. Goes on in verse 7. Remember and do not forget how you provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day you came out of the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. Now, I want you to consider that everything God did for Israel was an act of love to show the world what it looked like when God demonstrates his love to a people. So God's, I'm going to call God's pure love, and I don't want you to think I'm saying there's God's love, then there's God's pure love. I, I, I just want to put the two words together to say that this, God's love is the purest love. It's the purest love. So love to use that winky pregnant definition, is longing for, wishing, desiring the highest good for another. It's not getting what you want. It's the other way around. It's you giving. So when two people come before God to exchange vows of the ultimate expression of love, which is marriage, it, it's it's part of my duty to prepare them to understand you are going to make a vow to love that person. That vow to love is a vow where you are saying in sickness or in health, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, I will love you. It's the highest commitment that two people can make to each other. It's called a covenant. So God's infinitely pure love is different, and I'm going to say infinitely different, to any other type of love. And when God demonstrates his love to us, there is not a thought, not a thought, not a hint that he's doing it to manipulate us, to get anything from us, He's not doing it because we've done something for him. He's not doing it so we will do something for him. He's doing it and giving and giving and giving. That is awesome. And I guarantee you, not one of us in this room has experienced anything like the love of God. Romans 5, 7 puts it this way. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare die. And the next verse. But God shows his love for us in that while we were sinners, rebels, God haters, (laughs) Christ died for us. God shows his love for us in that while we were shaking our fist at him and telling him to get lost, get out of my life, I want you to have no part of my life. God reached out to us in love. And that's the point Paul's making in Romans 5. 
you get something of the heart of God? When God brought Israel out of Egypt, he delivered them from the world so that they wouldn't be in bondage to the world. They could come to know him. And how did he do that? Consider it. What was the first thing he did? He brings them out of Egypt, takes them before a mountain, and Moses comes down the mountain and gives them the law. God expects of us to fellowship with him. And when you fellowship with someone, you are finding out what they like and what they don't like. If you've been married for five minutes, you are already beginning to discover that your spouse likes certain things and doesn't like you doing other things. There are, there are times when you will find that out very painfully. And again, I want you to think this through. Pure love hurts. Why does it hurt? Because the one who truly loves you will say to you, I don't want to be treated like this. If you're going to be home late for dinner and I've cooked it and I've gone to the trouble of cooking it, give me a call. Let me know. It's little things like that. that you go, what are you trying to do? Control me. If that's your response, that can I just tell you straight up, that is not love. When you are holding back for another person and going, I'm not going to let you have, the, have that kind of sway in my life. That's not love. Love is surrender and surrender will hurt. There will be times in your relationship, your fellowship with your spouse, when you'll have to, you might want to write this down, radical concept, bite your tongue. Don't say the first thing that comes into your head. Trust me. <laughs> so God's pure love, when he brought Israel out of Egypt, he said, okay, I want you to know what I like. I want you to know what I don't like. Do you know what your wife, husbands, do you know what your wife likes? Do you know what she doesn't like? Do you know what she doesn't like and do it anyway? That's not love. For the sake of love, the person who loves, the, the man who loves his wife doesn't say, well, sweetie, this is who I am. You know who I am. You married who I am. And you're just going to have to change and put up with my burping at the dinner table when we have guests. It's just a deep part of my personality. <laughs> Grow up. Because love will transform you. When you love someone, it will transform you. And a lot of people are thinking, I love them so that I will transform them. <laughs> and when you are loved by God, it will transform you. When you love God, it will transform you. You can't say, I follow Jesus between the hours of 10.30 and 12 on a Sunday morning, then I clock off because I'm out of here. I'm gonna... That's not love. That's not love. You see, God gave his laws. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. And the person who says, you're just trying to control me, is going to find God's laws very, very burdensome. But the person who says, thank you, God. I really want to please you. I want my life to please you and bring you great pleasure. I want to surrender to you completely. Thank you for showing me what it is that I shouldn't do. Thank you for showing me what it is that I should do. Lord, help me to do what I should do and help me to avoid what I shouldn't do because I love you. 
when a person's heart is awoken by God's love, they love his law. How do we know that? You ever read Psalm 119? It's long, but the whole thing is about God. I love you, therefore I love your law. I see in your law a way to love you and I want to love you. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said it was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul. Let's just close in prayer because if you get that, you cannot be the same. Because pure love changes us. And here we have people under the old covenant who experienced the love of God because they saw that in God's law was how they were to love him. Joshua 22 verse 5. Only be very careful to observe the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you to. He sums up all of the commandments by saying this. To love the Lord your God. And to walk in all his ways and keep his commandments. That sounds like New Testament, doesn't it? This is Joshua. This is Old Testament. This is God. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Who so loved the world that he sent his only son. This is not some harsh God in the Old Covenant. Who then got good and nice in the New Covenant. This is the same loving God. To love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and keep his commandments and to cling to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. See, even under the old covenant, you could love God and have an encounter with him by simply looking at his law and going, "Uh uh-huh, I get it. You don't like lying. You don't like dishonesty. You don't like it when I tell half a truth. You don't like it when I deceived by maybe not giving all the information i haven't technically lied but something in the heart of god is grieved and if you love god you realize you are the image bearer of him and when you do that you are saying to all of creation all of creation this is what god's like i bear his image he deceives you he can't be trusted because that's how i just acted can you see the person who loves god their heart breaks if that's what they've done And here in Ezekiel, and this is the very graphic language, and and because it is so graphic, I I don't want to go through it. It's embarrassingly graphic in Ezekiel 16 and 17. But I want to sum it up by saying this. Ezekiel describes God as a benefactor. We don't live in an age of benefactors. And we don't live in an age where people are used to having a benefactor. If you read uh, any of the Charles Dickens stories, you'll read about the role of benefactors who would just favour a person who who showed a bit of potential and they would invest in them to help them to be a better person. And here Ezekiel is describing God as a benefactor, someone who who took, well, we'll see the the language in a moment. In fact, let's have a look at verse 4. It says this, As for your birth, on the day you were born, your cord was not cut. Now, why wouldn't you cut the umbilical cord of a child? Um, There are midwives here this morning and you could probably give us some reasons for that nor were you washed with water to cleanse you nor rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling clothes why wouldn't you do that to a newborn well let me tell you if if your imagination isn't vigorous enough to figure this out the only reason you would not do those things to a baby is you don't want it to live you don't care why because we, we as you read on in this you'll see that it actually says you were then exposed in a field. 
exposed in a field what's that well that's how that's how the barbarians used to abort children they just give birth to them and leave them out in the marketplace open it's called exposure and here god is saying you were basically given up from birth you weren't washed because what's the point you weren't supposed to live you weren't rubbed with salt. What does salt do? Salt takes off the moisture and it hardens up the skin and enabling. That's what they used to do. And you weren't wrapped in clothes because, well, who cared? No one cared about you. You were born illegitimately. You were left out in the field. I walked by and I found you. I cut the cord. I washed you. I rubbed you gently with salt. I wrapped you in clothes and as you grew as a young lady, and the language gets pretty graphic here, I made you flourish like a plant of the field. You grew up and became tall and arrived at full adornment. That's a very nice way to say you blossomed as a young lady and if you read the next half of that verse, you'll see what he's talking about. It's very, very graphic. And this is what God is saying. I did this for you. The next verse, verse 8, When I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you're at the age of love. And I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you. Remember, we just talked about that language. It's the ultimate commitment between two people to form a covenant. And here God is saying he did that with Israel. Declares the Lord God and you became mine. We go down to verse 13. This is what he did for them. I adorned you with gold and silver and your clothing was of fine linen and silk and embroidered cloth. You ate fine flour and honey and oil. You grew exceedingly beautiful and advanced to royalty. This is what the love of God will do. And yet, despite everything that God did, and I'm leaving out swathes of graphic detail that God has put into the mouth of Ezekiel despite this despite experiencing God's best and his love this young lady called Israel tore off her clothes and the language is even more graphic presented herself to any man that came along and refused payment God says even a prostitute takes payment but you you didn't even take payment that's how much you've hurt me it's it's very graphic They despised God and his laws. Verse 15, But you trusted in your beauty and played the whore because of your renown and lavished your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. Oh boy. You see the heart of God. You hear the heart of God here? I feel, I read this, I get emotional. I think, how could you do this to my father? You're hurting my daddy. Why would you do this? Why? And, and, and I've got to ask the question. Because maybe you're here and you're going, Oh man, I wish someone had loved me. I really want to be loved. Well, here's the question I have for you. Would you like to experience God's pure love? Now, I, I hope I've given you enough to, to realize that is not an easy question to answer. Because I'm asking you, because if you experience God's pure love, it requires something of you. It requires surrender. For you to receive God's love, 
for you to experience the fullness of God's love, you respond back in love. You respond back in love and it will change your heart. Would you like to experience God's pure love? Here's the question. What if God's pure love was available right now for you? How would you respond to it? Well, guess what? God's pure love is available. And here's the question. How are you responding to it? How are you responding to God's pure love? I I read Ezekiel. I read Ezekiel's face is stained with tears as he's sharing this with his countrymen. As he's sharing this with his people, his heart is grieved and moved. And I wonder, I just wonder, where are the young men who are grieved and moved today because they get the heart of God? Where are the 15-year-olds, the 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old young men who go, Oh God, I love you. I lay down my life. I don't need the acceptance, the approval of others. I'm not looking to be popular. I'm looking to love you with my life. Where are they? Do they feel the heart of God today? Ezekiel did. He felt the love of God and he felt the pain of when his countrymen despised God's love. And what we're going to see is in in the next chapter, in chapter 17, he, he, he says, but there is a day coming. God will be finished with you and he will have for himself a new people. And this new people, they will enter into a new covenant with God and they will experience his love. And that's us. Ezekiel prophesied about you. New covenant believers. He looked forward to this day when there would be people who would love his daddy, who would love the God that he loved. And we are the fulfillment of that. And you know what? Revelation 7 verse 9 says, there will be people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, who will love God and be standing there on that day in heaven, telling their daddy, oh, we love you. We love you. And the Bible says there'll be so many there, no one can number them. And we are a part of that mission right now to bring people into a loving relationship with daddy. Romans 5.5, whoever keeps his word in him, Truly, the love of God is perfected. Oh, do I have to read his word? Okay, you just tell me. You just tell me what's really going on in your heart. The one who gets the love of God goes, Oh man, I'm tired. And it's Psalm 119. But here we go. I'm going to read this. Because I love you, God. I want your word in my life. 1 John 2.5 says, But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. And by this we know we are in him because we keep his word. No one demonstrates love more completely, more purely than God. He's not waiting for us to get ourselves prettied up before he'll love us. His love is unconditional. More from Dr. Corbett next week with Your Soul Duty. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, The Love of God Despised, are available via the website findingtruthmatters.org or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania 7277. 
Dr Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.